This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. The First Amendment of the Constitution protects U.S. citizens' speech, including speech on social media. But that doesn't mean your employer can't fire you for what you post on Twitter, Facebook, or some other platform. Employees and students are learning the hard way that their hot takes can have serious consequences. Joining me now to discuss how employers and employees are responding to the growing social media landscape are University of Cincinnati School of Public and International Affairs Professor Jeffrey Blevins. Welcome back, Dr. Blevins. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having me back. It's good to be here. Great to have you. And Graydon Law Attorney Lee Geiger. Thanks for being here, Lee. Thanks, Lucy. Glad to be here. The University of Cincinnati is a financial supporter of Cincinnati Public Radio, and you can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. Dr. Blevins, I want to start with you. It seems like these stories surface regularly. Someone posts something offensive or questionable on social media and ends up losing their job. Tell us what happened specifically with some nurses at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta who, who recently experienced this. Yeah, unfortunately, they had posted TikTok videos about what their uh, ick was. And, uh, you know, their ick would, you know, uh, target uh, patients in the maternity ward, uh, maybe, you know, for asking how much their baby weighed after the nurse had just given it to them, things of that nature. I think it's important to point out that, you know, the nurses didn't necessarily show any of the patients. Uh, However, they recorded the videos while they were at the hospital and, you know, the the nurses were, you know, clearly uh, identified uh, identifiable. They, you know, posted this on their personal uh, TikTok accounts, uh, and they lost their uh, their jobs over it. Uh, you could certainly see where um, patients uh, who had been on the maternity ward would be offended if they had recognized uh, their nurse, uh, perhaps pointing out something that uh, was, you know, uh, that nurse's particular ick. Yeah. And Lee, you know, these are people in a profession that's very stressful, where there's a huge need for their services. Does that matter? Should it matter? Or should restrictions be more strict in in public facing positions like nursing? I think that people need to realize that the, the things that they do outside of work can impact what happens inside of work. So if you were a patient dealing, you know, delivering a baby and you found out that the nurse that you were working with had just posted on TikTok, something that you had said or asked, I don't think that you would appreciate that. So that's that's where this comes down to. Yeah. And does it matter, uh, you know, Dr. Belevins pointed out that they were clearly in their, you know, scrubs. They were at the hospital. You could see that. Does it matter whether these posts happen during work hours at the workplace or outside of work? Uh, so the quick lawyer answer is it depends. Uh, <laughs> and that's the answer to a lot of lawyer things, right? So... Um, you know, in this case, it certainly makes it a lot more egregious that they did it at work. Uh, you know, one could make an argument that they were supposed to be working at the time, not posting things on TikTok. Um, makes it more egregious because people could identify the employer. But um, if they had gone home and done the exact same thing at home, I think they'd still be in the same hot water. Mm. And Lee, let me ask you this too. What about freedom of speech? You know, I think a lot of people assume, hey, we've got the constitutional right, that it offers protections. I guess the the question is, 
is there a difference between, you know, a firing that's legal and one that feels fair <laughs> based on your, your freedom of speech rights? Well, if you're the person that just got fired, um, you probably don't think it feels fair regardless of, of what happened. But I, I think a, a large misconception is that we all have freedom of speech rights at all times in all places. And that's just not the case, particularly when it applies to private employers. So the First Amendment uh, does not protect people at private employers. Dr. Blevins, you know, for many young people new to the job market, social media has been part of their lives for a long time. And and chances are they've posted something dumb or at least something questionable. <laughs> um, what should they do about their social media histories and, and what can they do? Well, uh, in, in many ways, it's, it's too late. If something is already out there, uh, digital trails, you know, tend to last forever. Now, you, you can do some self-help. Uh, by going down and taking over, you're taking down some objectionable posts uh, in the long ago past, so that they are, you know, no longer, you know, it's there's still some potential that, you know, that it might be found. But I think more importantly is to, you know, to look towards the future and and, and stop making, you know, uh, those kinds of of posts, and you know. Kind of, it may perhaps have been in defense of that this is a generational thing, is I think that businesses have um, a role to play too. Uh, and businesses tend to be reactive. Uh, they react after an employee posted something uh, objectionable on social media. That creates the problem, and then the business has to react and fix it. Um, and you know, as in the case we just discussed, that resulted in you know people losing their jobs. Uh, but rather, I would encourage businesses to be proactive as well and think about having these policies uh, understood uh, before pr problematic incidents occur. Have that be part of the uh, you know, onboarding process um, when um, you hire people. We're talking about how social media posts can have serious consequences in the workplace with University of Cincinnati School of Public and International Affairs professor Jeffrey Blevins and Graydon Law attorney Lee Geiger. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. Lee, let's talk about that. What are employers doing? Are there policies? Do a lot of employers have policies that they really try to explain to their employees in great detail during an onboarding process? Or are they kind of in a position where it's like, uh-oh, that just blew up. We need to do something about it. Um, again, the lawyer answer, it depends, <laughs> right? It depends on the company. So mm -hmm. there are some companies out there that that are are more attuned to the social media issues. And those are companies that, that definitely have policies, definitely do the training, and they're smart. I mean, they should do that training up front, mm -hmm. make sure that employees have expectations, know what, what is expected of them. Um, and then, as Dr. Blevins pointed out, there are some that don't have the policies, and there are people that those people don't know what the rules are. And whether the policy exists or not, if they put up an objectionable post, they're still at risk of losing their job. And what uh, does that give an employee any better defense that, hey, they didn't tell me I shouldn't put stupid stuff on Twitter <laughs> when they hired me. <laughs> I mean, does that, that give them any any greater recourse? So I, I think um, growing up, I was always told ignorance of the law is no excuse. <laughs> and so, uh, no, it, it, it probably does not uh, give them much recourse. 
Okay. Uh, Lee, one more question for you. Are employers searching social media histories before they hire people? And if they're not, should they be? That's a great question. Uh, There are some employers that do social media searches. And we always tell them, be careful what you're looking for because – You know, I'll use myself as as an example. So if I apply for a job, you get a resume from Lee Geiger. You don't know whether I'm even a man or a woman. You just know my name. You don't know anything about me. You don't know whether I've got any uh, health issues or anything else. If you go and search for me on social media, you're going to find out my gender, right? You're going to find out my approximate age. You're going to find out a whole bunch of other things. So my advice to employers is typically don't do that social media search until the end mm. and you're sure that you want to hire the candidate. But but then be careful with what you what you do with it, right? So to Dr. Blevins' point, there are a lot of people that perhaps have put things out on social media that maybe they're not proud of. Uh, maybe they were 20 years old and they're holding a beer, something like that. It shows poor judgment. But if they're 26 years old now – uh, maybe it still shows poor judgment that they haven't taken the picture down, but I'm not going to hold it against them that they were they were underage drinking six years earlier. Mm. Dr. Bellevins, what kind of advice do you – I mean, I, you're dealing with uh, young people all the time in your classes. <laughs> <laughs> what, how, what are your discussions uh, like around these issues? What kind of advice do you give them along these lines? Well, you know, I have the, the benefit of teaching uh, media law uh, – fairly frequently. And that is usually the time where the lights tend to go off or tend to go on, excuse me, uh, for a lot of students. They just like, I didn't realize the law worked that way. I didn't realize that that was a problem. And unfortunately, it's it's really too late at that point um, because by the time, you know, a student gets into, you know, um, my class, they're at least 18 years old. Well, they've already been on social media you know, for several years uh, before then, I think we really need uh, media education to occur much sooner, um, you know, somewhere in you know, K through 12, about the time that they get access to to social media. Uh, that's when they, they need to, to learn these these lessons before it's too late. Uh, but one of the things that that is uh, effective in, in terms of, you know, taking kind of the, the preachiness out of it, uh, is to talk about cases, you know, like the one that we started the conversation with here uh, about the, these nurses. And it provides kind of a case study for students to say, oh, wow, uh, I didn't realize that was the case. This is what they could have done differently. This is what would have avoided um, that. But a lot of it, too, is, um, is as Lee pointed out, is, is, you know, yes, ignorance is not bliss of, of the law, Um but they don't realize, for instance, that corporations, that businesses uh, have First Amendment rights too. Uh, and they have a right to not associate with certain content uh, or messages. Uh, and we all tend to think of, you know, the First Amendment as, as giving us something, as giving us, you know, a, a right to expression. But it's also about the right of expression and the right of association of others too. We have a caller on the line. Nick, thank you so much for calling. What is your question or comment? Yes, um, my question is for the guest. Um, what is their, um, their what is their thoughts regarding employees nowadays utilizing social media platforms to advocate for discriminatory policies in the workplace? Oftentimes, I know that can be overlooked or seen as something that is objectionable in the eyes of the employer. But I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. 
Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Lee, that sounds like a lawyer question. It's in that, you know, uh, Nick, you've identified a sticky wicket (laughs) is probably the best way to describe that. So, uh, you know, in that, the circumstances of that would kind of need to be done on a case-by-case basis. I'd want to know what the exact post was, what uh, things they were advocating for, and whether the advocacy was, you know, um, legitimate advocacy or if they were somehow masking some other performance issues and just trying to to cover up for that. Mm. Okay. Nick, thank you so much for that terrific question. We appreciate it. We are going to continue our discussion in just a moment. This is Cincinnati Edition. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We continue our conversation about how social media posts can have serious consequences in the workplace with University of Cincinnati School of Public and International Affairs Professor Jeffrey Blevins and Graydon Law Attorney Lee Geiger. You can join the conversation by calling 513-419-7100 or emailing talk at wvxu.org. So, Lee, before our break, you were talking about how, you know, if an employer does a search, they might find somebody holding a beer when they were 20, which is, you know, illegal. That's not a great thing to do. What if someone posts something about you from the past, say it's and tags you a picture that includes underage drinking or some other, you know, illegal or inappropriate behavior? Maybe it was five or 10 years ago, even longer. Is that a fireable offense? If you're, if you're tagged in something, you didn't post it, but you've got some friend without filters who, who just did this to you. <laughs> First thing you do is call your friend <laughs> and determine whether they're really a friend there if they posted something from, from that far back. But, um, you know, it, it could. It, it would really depend. If it was a, a racist rant or it was something really bad like that, then, then yeah, that could, could certainly be an issue going forward. We've had issues in Cincinnati even with teachers that posted things years and years ago that that were racist and um, it's come back to haunt them. If it was you know, simply a picture of them when they were 20 drinking a beer, that's probably not going to come back to haunt. It's, it's really going to depend on the content. Yeah. Is it, uh, Dr. Blevins, is that something you talk with students about? Kind of the, um, you know, getting caught in the in something that one of their friends maybe does? Oh, absolutely. This comes up when we talk about uh, privacy. And, you know, a lot of, you know, students and not just students, but people tend to think it's like, oh, but, you know, that's a violation of, of my privacy. And it's like, well, uh, it really is. Were you in a place where there was a reasonable expectation of privacy? Uh, and, you know, that there is it's not necessarily a criminal offense uh, for someone to post negative information uh, about you, assuming that it's um, uh, true. Uh, but, uh, you know, it could be um, it could involve uh, civil litigation. Uh, perhaps, uh, I, you know, Lee could address that a uh, little more. But I think another, you know, I'll quickly say another, you know, common misconception is is how Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act applies. It's often misunderstood. Uh, they, you know, people think that, on the other hand, if they post something, it's like, oh, I'm protected from uh, uh, litigation because of Section 230. And no, it only provides statutory protection for the interactive computer service operator for third-party content posted on their networks. So this applies to, you know, social media companies. Uh, It protects them from liability, uh, but it does not necessarily protect the third-party poster. Gotcha. So Facebook's not going to get in trouble, but I might. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. 
Lee, what are the types of posts most likely to get someone fired? So certainly um, anything racist is Mm -hmm. is certainly going to get you fired. Anything that identifies the employer or that is connected back to the job is are really the things that are going to get you um, because anything that that is job related that impacts things that happen at work impacts the way your colleagues view you all of that's going to be um, problematic for you are there it, things that can't get you fired like uh, i've i've read that maybe comments in support of a union or there are things related to a mm-hmm. protected class or there are things you could post that somebody might not agree with but but can't get you fired there there are some things like that uh, certainly posts about unions um, you know, it, it, it would be unlikely. Certainly, we would advise clients to be very careful if you were going to terminate someone um, specifically because of a post about a union. Uh, you know, to, to our caller's point earlier, Nick brought up about, you know, discrimination and advocating against discrimination. Um, that that type of a posting is unlikely to get you fired. Um, it, it really just depends on the circumstances that, of the post. Yeah. Dr. Blevins, how much does it matter or does it matter at all which specific platform you're using? Are you more likely to get in trouble for for TikTok than Twitter, for example? No, I don't think it matters, the the platform. It matters, you know, what the, you know, objectionable content message uh, uh, was. Uh, But no, the platform uh, shouldn't matter. There are specific platform bans, though, right? Some it seems like some companies and governments have said stay off of TikTok for their for their employees. I guess that's just one of those policy matters that people need to understand. Absolutely, and you know it is important to know you know the difference between uh, the different platforms in the sense that they each have their own terms of service, uh, and you know they may you know decide to. Uh, censor content based on, you know, what their terms of service are. So, you know, if you someone, you know, post a racist rant and that is against, let's say, you know, social, excuse me, let's say uh, Facebook's terms of service, uh, then they could censor or uh, or edit that, uh, that content. Did you want to add to that, Lee? Yeah, I just want to add that, that something that a lot of people don't realize is that there are privacy settings on almost all of these apps. And and you would be surprised at the number of people that keep their post public. And if, <laughs> if, you, if you don't want people to see what you're posting, don't let it be public. Mm-hmm. The tricky yeah. thing, though, is haven't some people gotten in trouble? They're, they have their privacy settings, but some friend of theirs sees it, takes a screenshot, mm-hmm. <laughs> decides to cause trouble. I mean, it seems like there's a way around almost everything these days. That that could certainly be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but But at least have your first line of defense be protect yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean we really are are tend to be our own worst enemies uh in protecting our our privacy online. We we put it out there, we tend to not monitor uh the the, the settings. Um not everyone is um <laughs> is uh, risk adverse as uh, as attorneys uh in in that regard. <laughs> there you go. Well, Dr. Blevins, are there general um policies or rules of thumb that you you would advise the public to kind of follow, even if their companies don't have some policy that they that they educate them about when they first get hired. Oh, absolutely. Um, and one is to you know to slow down uh, before you you post something. You know to ask yourself, you know, uh, is this necessary, uh, and how could it be interpreted or misinterpreted? Because no matter what you mean. 
no matter how benevolent your intentions might be or if it's an inside joke, uh, not everyone is going to understand it within, you know, that level of, 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 of context. And so we really need to be uh, our own editors. Mm. What do you think, Lee? Totally agree. I, I love the slowdown comment. I mean, that that really is at the crux of everything. Um, and do do people really care? I mean, post all the cat videos you want. <laughs> Thank but, you. But, Thank you, yeah. Lee. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay. consider whether whether people really care about your opinion on certain matters. And if they're not going to, don't post it. And if you find yourself in a Facebook back and forth with someone, um, slow down because that's probably going to get you in trouble. Mm. Well, Lee, let me ask you, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, what employees experience when they do something really dumb on social media. You know, you can lose your job, terrible things can happen. What recourse, if any, do employees have in a situation like this? I mean, can, can an employee ever, you know, fight the firing and win? It would have to be a, a termination based on a protected status for them to, to be fired. So if someone was advocating, you know, against racism or something like that and they got fired because of their post against racism, well, they, they might stand a chance uh, winning it. At something like that. But if it's just a general post, if they went on their own racist rant or, um, you know, posted like those nurses did about, you know, the icks and the things they hate about patients or hate about their job, they're probably not going to have much of a defense. Mm. Dr. Blevins, talk to us about how you personally use social media. I mean, you know a lot about this. You're, you're talking <laughs> to young people all the time. What what are the rules that you follow yourself? Well, there is the is, is the slowdown rule, um, and I you know think about how anything I post can reflect on uh, my employer. And of course, my employer is the University of Cincinnati, and so I probably am, am more protected than uh, than most people. And, uh, and sometimes I think I use that to my advantage. <laughs> <laughs> if if I'm if I'm being honest, I don't shy away from. Um, Things that are, are you know, uh, necessarily, uh, you know, political, uh, if you will. But um, I, I do think carefully about how can someone misinterpret this. And I think I treat different platforms differently. So Facebook for me tends to be more personal. People who are family and friends who will know more of the nuance of, of, of what I'm posting. Uh, Twitter, I for the most part, tend to treat a little more professionally. It's um, it's still the uh, bread and butter social media platform for journalists, and I tend to think of it more in terms of of networking. Uh, LinkedIn and uh, Muckrack, which is uh, for journalists, are the ones I uh, treat most professionally, if you will. How about you, Lee? What what are your kind of personal rules for social media? So if I have any family listening, they're going to laugh right now at that question. So so I'm on LinkedIn, um, use LinkedIn very professionally. I have a Twitter account that I've probably not accessed in a really long time. Yeah, that's really locked down. I tagged you on that and I thought, ooh, I don't even know if he's going to let me follow him. Yeah, I, I, have, I, I didn't get your, I didn't yeah. get your email. So, uh, and on Facebook, I have, I think, three friends, my wife, my sister, and my cousin. Um, and, and that's very deliberate uh, on my part. I just, I try to stay clear of social media on most of that stuff. So I be probably because of my job, I see uh, how it can be used in, in the wrong way. And um, 
have just kind of limited my own exposure. But gotcha. it's probably not shocking to anyone. Yeah, very small circle of trust. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been talking with University of Cincinnati School of Public and International Affairs professor Jeffrey Levins and Graydon Law attorney Lee Geiger. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you very much. It's been a great conversation. Hey. I hope all your children and students listen to it over and over again. <laughs> You've been listening to Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 <laughs> WVXU. Our producer is Selena Reeder. Associate producer is Asia Johnson. Technical director is Derek Smith. If you miss our program live, you can subscribe to Cincinnati Edition wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lucy May. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>